I'm Shivani Gupta. I'm obsessed with small to medium businesses growing. As business owners, we take so much risk and we want to make sure it's worth it. I believe one of the best presents you can give yourself as a business owner is to be able to learn how to scale your people, your profit and your processes. Welcome to Grow Your Business Podcast. This is Shivani Gupta, your host. I am really excited about having our guest on today. His name is Ben Renshaw, and I had an opportunity to see Ben live in action in Bali, where he was a keynote speaker at a particular conference that I was at. His CV is pretty long, but let me tell you a little bit about him. He is today's one of most uh, foremost leadership thinkers. He is a speaker, as I just shared. He is an executive coach. He's an author. He's written 11 books, including Love Work, Being, Purpose, and his new book is out to be published on how to be a CEO in October of this year. His clients are varied and very large companies, and he's worked with the likes of Allen and Overy, Barclays. He's worked with the Entrepreneurs' Organisation. He's worked with the Heathrow Airport. He's worked with Heinz. Um, with Henley Business School, uh, KPMG, and the list goes on. There are uh, dozens and dozens of great companies that Ben has worked on. But what really led me to having him on a guest today was the conversation he started to have on, on purpose and getting us to think about that very, very differently. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Wonderful. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you. And tell us, like, with this um, extraordinary career that you've generated as a speaker, as a coach, as a consultant, um, you know, and all the things before you arrived at that point, there must have been lots of highs and lots of lows. But take us through some of those big highs and big lows that really got you into who you are today. So, you know, give us a bit more of an insight into who you are as a result of those highs and lows. Yeah, no, look, it's, uh, I think, look, everybody, I mean, it's life, isn't it? Life, as you say, is an absolute journey of ups and downs, highs and lows. I, um, my life started out as a classical musician. So that, that was my origins. And I actually grew up a little classical music school just outside London. And for those that know, there's an area called Surrey, uh, it's very beautiful. It's actually known now because there's a there's a football team called Chelsea Football Club. They have their training ground out in a place called Cobham, Surrey. So that whole area now is kind of like the Hollywood of of the UK. And uh, but then back then, uh, in fact, where the Chelsea Football Training Ground now, there used to just be a donkey. So that was literally kind of the end of our of our grounds on the school. And my father happened to be the headmaster. So it was a little international music school. We had 45 children from all around the world from the age of eight to 18. It was a very, very talented environment, totally focused on high performance. We had some of the greatest musicians in the world traveling through. So it was a very privileged, fortunate background, which I got reminded of a lot. However, there was something missing for me, which was my own sense of purpose. Um, and music was not my vocation. So I struggled a lot um, during school. And, and because I was the headmaster's son as well, I got a lot of attention. I used to get in trouble a lot. If there was any problems, it was always me. Uh, but, but the first catalytic moment was when my parents separated. So they went through a very, very painful public divorce. I was 16. 
the rug got pulled from underneath my feet. Everything that I'd taken for granted was shattered. And that really started my questioning, why? And um, and I actually remember my mother was very depressed. And I mean, this is 40 years ago. And she took me to an introductory talk on meditation, transcendental meditation. And I it blew my mind. I, I walked into a room filled with men in suits who were talking about altered states of consciousness. And I remember very clearly thinking that this, this, this there's something here. So that kind of those seeds of curiosity for a different dimension in life started early. I, I then took a gap year when I, I left music and or left the school and traveled. And in particular, I went to Israel and there was one amazing moment. So I was off to live on a kibbutz, which is a community down in the Negev desert. And, and I had a couple of hours before my flight. I had a, a backpack, my violin. I'd left cold, wet, dreary London. I arrived in beautiful sunshine in Tel Aviv. And I went down and sat on the Mediterranean before my bus. And I had this incredible experience of freedom. And I realized there was more to life than playing the violin. I got back to London a few, few months later, started at a college called the Guildhall School of Music. And within two weeks, realized it was not for me. It was like a prison sentence. And thereafter, I quit. So walking away from music and my trajectory and future was big. Um, I didn't realize how big it was at the time. but uh, and I, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. But what I did know, there were two things I knew I loved, which were people and problems. And I thought if I put the two together, I'd be happy. I, I then landed up in America. And I had five years on a, an extraordinary adventure there, engaged with a very, very wide ranging mix of uh, eclectic approach to development. And, and then I came back to the UK, set myself up as a problem spotter. So people would come to me, they would tell me about the problems they knew they had. I would tell them about the problems they didn't even know they had yet. We had this great working relationship, but I was peddling problems. And then in the mid-90s, I hooked up with a fellow colleague. And on the back of the National Health Service, we set up something called the Happiness Project. And in the UK, you just don't do happiness. I mean, we do misery. We don't do happiness. And there's not <laughs> a lot to be happy about here. But it was the origins of what's now known as positive psychology. And again, it just was a whole new chapter for me. And I really, it, it was an incredible kind of realization of, look, if you look at the big goals in life of happiness and love and success, just the elimination of problems isn't going to get you to those goals. You actually need to really understand, you know, what, what are they? What is happiness? How do you define it? What does it look like? What does that mean? Love, success, all of this. We then started getting in, or introductions into organizations. And I had no idea at the time I had, this was the mid nineties, I had no corporate experience. I would walk into a the first company I worked with was British Telecom. And I remember, you know, they had over 200,000 colleagues. I walked in, I was like an alien. They looked at me, thought, here's an alien. <laughs> but, but out of that grew, I then stumbled into coaching. And I was very fortunate we, to in, be invited onto the faculty of a coaching program for a defense aerospace company, British Aerospace. And um, it was all engineers, and we were and we were we were training up the top seven fifty as coaches, and, and that is where I absolutely came home, and I realized 
coaching for me was the first time I really came across a methodology and an approach that totally resonated with my own beliefs. Because I'm an educationalist at heart. Yeah, everything I'm about is how do you help other people learn and grow and be the best they can be. So that that's my raison d'etre. And coaching for me, rather than telling people what to do, create the conditions where they arrive at that for themselves. So, and, you know, and then just to, sorry, it's a long answer to your question, but but then I was very fortunate. That mentor was a remarkable guy called Graham Alexander. He was the grandfather of business coaching in Europe. We then wrote a book together, Super Coaching, but he was the coach to the to the CEO of a company, IHG. And this is about 15 years ago. At the time, they were the largest hospitality company in the world. They had brands like Holiday Inn, Holiday Express, et cetera. And they, their CEO, Andy Kozler, fantastic guy I'm still in touch with today. And he came in, he changed the strategy. They went asset light, sold off every hotel across the world and created a core purpose, great hotels, guest love. And I was very fortunate that to, to, to work with the company to develop a leadership program called Leading with Purpose. Ten years later, a thousand leaders later, uh, it was a three-day immersion and it built my credentials for purpose. When I started it, again, no idea what I was doing. That's a familiar theme for me. <laughs> I learned and grew. And, and out of that bore my absolute passion for purpose, which is where we connected. That is, that's an incredible story. And I know that you, even though it's a long answer, it probably is nowhere near long enough in terms of getting all the little nooks and crannies in terms of being able to get to where you have. And so, Ben, when you're working with this big topic of purpose, which everybody speaks about and everybody wants to know what their purpose is, you know, I guess when challenges come your way, whether they're in business or whether in your personal life, People attack challenges different ways. Some people have a process, some people go on a retreat, some people write it down, some people feel through it. Tell us about how you process challenges that come your way. Well, from a personal perspective. Either, either business or yeah. personal. Yeah, well, let, let, let me start with personal. Um, I, I think that in terms of the discovery of purpose, and for me personally, yeah, it's always been absolutely the heart of of who I am, and you know, mo most of my drivers have come from that. Like to really understand why, because if I if I don't if I don't understand why, I'm lost. I'm at sea, and um and and all the great adversity that I face, um, that's at the heart of it. So, a couple of examples. The, the, you know, a, a current one is is with my son. So I've got this, I've got three kids, but my 17-year-old Ziggy, amazing guy, very similar to me. He's doing what's called A-levels here in the UK. He's not a big fan of school. He's not particularly engaged. It's not fun. And uh, we <laughs> he did his mocks um, a few weeks ago. We got, and we had parents evening and with the school and the teachers show up. And I had to really bite my tongue to not not give them a little bit of uh, feedback <laughs> in terms of my own belief about the limitations of the education system and the complete failings of being able to engage my son in a constructive way. And they immediately, all they do is they go to the results. And I, I, I have very little interest in the results. For me, it's about the process. It's about the engagement. How are you helping my son learn? How are you helping him apply knowledge? 
you know, because he has the knowledge, but he can't apply it and use it and put it in the form of a, of an essay. Well, what are you doing? What does that look like? So, so what I do, I then, I then debrief with him, call him up after that. Said, what do you think? Because I always start there. How is that for you? What's your learning? And you know, and he's very clear about that in terms of the gap. And, and then I just share my own experience. I said, look, from my own experience. Actually, the ability to translate knowledge and apply knowledge is one of the biggest life skills that I've actually learned. Now, I didn't know that at the time. Nobody edu ever educated me about that. And, you know, when I left school, I remember my goal was to never learn anything ever again, because formal education did a brilliant job of totally switching me off from this idea of learning. Now, every day, I've got an insatiable appetite to learn and grow. It is fundamental for me and so how do i so the way that i now support him is i, I managed to get him, get him some work experience in hospitality uh, he absolutely loved it he's got this idea as an entrepreneur for a for a, a drink for a hydration drink i'm introducing him to all these mentoring conversations it's blowing his mind uh, and, and so that just gives you one example like as a dad how I translate it from a business perspective um you know it is it is literally everything I do and I and I think I I feel incredibly fortunate you know like that but I have built that muscle I mean I you know I'm I'm unemployable 30 years self-employed people see that as a risk I I can't even I don't see the risk I you know, but but again, my writing is probably the best example of that for me because I, you know, like I say, useless at school, hated academia, and I, and I'll be really so. I had an amazing experience last week where there's a, this fantastic woman called Amy Edmondson, who's Harvard professor of leadership. She is the number one leadership professor in the world, biggest thinker on leadership in the world. And I connected with her a couple of three years ago. You know, she she wrote a book, The Fearless Organization. She coined psychological safety. And, you know, she writes the forwards to my books. And I called her up last week, texted her, uh, emailed her last week. And it's, you know, Independence Day, July the 4th. It's a busy time in America. Uh, and I reached out to her and checked in. I needed a photo. I needed this. She came straight back to me. And then I said, oh, look, I've been invited to do an event in London. What do you think if we did it together? She goes, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I, and 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 I can only put that down to per, a shared purpose because there's not, you know, there'd be no other reason why she would want to do that and spend time with me. And so I think I... And, and genuinely, you know, in the book that you mentioned, I've just written How to Be a CEO. The way I wrote that was 35 interviews with CEOs that I've built relationship with over the years. And for me, the only reason that they'd want to keep in touch and build relationship and and continue to support and, and contribute to my work is because of purpose. You know, and I think because and the reason why is I think it's so personal when you really connect with your own sense of purpose. Literally. You know, I don't remember what people do, but I remember their purpose. And I, I can track people 15, 20, 25 years. And people write to me after 20, 25 years with their own purpose and how their careers has evolved as a result of that. That is why I do what I do.
Mm, that's phenomenal. I love that. I love the fact, isn't it great to have that feedback where people are constantly working on it daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and then they take that time to let you know to say, this is how I've been in alignment or out of alignment, you know, but this is how I've been in alignment in terms of working on that. Um, yeah, that that's beautiful. And what about with writing so many books? You've got another one coming out this year, Ben. You're doing all the consulting work. You just talked about the fact that you have three kids, you know, teenagers, all of the different things that you do. What about for your own wellness? Like what do you do for your own wellness, whether that's um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, whatever your belief systems are? Tell us about how you manage you to be able to then do all the work and, you know, the things that sure. you do both in business and personal. I mean, I think that one of the benefits of growing up as a, as a musician was discipline. <laughs> so I literally had to practice four to six hours a day. Yeah, Right as a child, we were up at six in the morning, practicing an hour before breakfast. I hated it. Absolutely. Hate. However, I, I'm very grateful for, for the inborn um, kind of, whatever you want to describe it, motivation, discipline. So, yeah, so I, every day I start my day, you know, with prayer and meditation. So that's my kind of anchor. And I, I literally, I literally actually just lie on the floor and I pray and then I get up and I meditate that. And I just do six minutes. What what I've learned for me, you know, cause I know with, you know, there's all these different, you know, schools and philosophy, all that. I have to do what works for me. Six minutes, works and uh and then i exercise daily so that and again that that was an interesting one a few years ago traveling a lot just as you said you know then my kids were a lot younger you know got my own business all of that and i was exhausted and and if anybody asked me how i was my response was i'm knackered so that i'm tired and and i got so fed up of that and I and and then I really began to focus on where I got my energy from. And and the main thing was exercise. And I just recognized that every day I exercised, I had more energy. So I just made a very conscious decision. I'm going to exercise every day. And I've done that ever since. And it's a it's just a habit now. And now what I what how that evolved in COVID was tennis. I love tennis. My club is seven minutes uh bike ride from me in London which in London is, you know, you're fortunate. And and in COVID, you were only allowed to play an hour of tennis. So again, I just got locked into this habit of an hour of tennis. And of course, now it's Wimbledon as we're speaking at the moment. And uh, so look, I, I play tennis or squash nearly every day. Um, and, and, and that for me, I've got a great bunch of friends. So social... Mm -hmm. So my social connections are really strong. So when I look at, you know, I love sport. I'm very competitive. I never win, but I love to play. So, you know, those dimensions for me are non-negotiable. My, um, I'm gluten-free, so I'm very, I don't drink. I'm very mindful. But again, they're just conscious choices. You know, they just it's just what works for me. Uh, I don't need it. I don't need alcohol. I mean, I, I'll enjoy a glass every now and again, but it's not like, I need to drink, you know, thank goodness. Uh, and then I think the other thing that I mentioned again for what my critical thing for wellness is my learning. And obviously right now it's all about AI and chat GBT and, you know, and I look, I'm, I'm pretty useless with technology, but I, I do find it fascinating. And I'll give you a quick example. So I was working with an organization recently. We had a conference for about 250 people and we were looking at their purpose 
And the leadership team are very keen to really get engagement from everyone, getting a point of view from all colleagues. So we had a whole morning with a variety of exercises to really get input from 250 colleagues into this program's purpose. Um, and in the end, we had 30 different statements because everybody was working on tables. Uh, and it was brilliant. We just popped it into ChatGBT, 30 statements. It came out with this fantastic paragraph, which literally was this amazing representation of 250 people's contribution. They loved it. Now, there's, you know, if I try to sit down and synthesize and, and give a weighting, you know, to, to the wordings and this and that and put this, could never have done it. But in seconds, you know, chat GPT, fantastic. So, you, you know, I, so I embrace, so that, look, those are just some examples. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, Ben. I, um, I love that not many people have ever said wellness as part of their own wellness, the learning, because it just keeps you so active um, mentally, but also in terms of being able to apply that into your work, which is, you know, all around purpose um, for others, but also purpose for you, so... And look, yeah. I, I think I am. I look, I consider myself very fortunate. However, I've made it all up. But uh, you know, my my work is my source of wellness. Mm, absolutely, no question. I which is you know, and when in COVID, so when COVID hit, and literally most of my a lot of my clients at the time, hospitality, aviation, transportation, devastated. So you'd mentioned Heathrow. You know, and at the time, you know, they were one of the busiest airports in the world, serving 80 million passengers, uh, and, and they dropped. The, the whole, literally, the business shredded overnight, uh, losing a million a day, you know, I mean, unthinkable stuff. So I took that and I go, well, I've got this time, what am I going to do? And I, I, I really thought about it and I thought, at this time, what do people need? And they need to love their work. And I need to reconnect with my love of work because it was really challenged. So then I, I came up with the idea, love work, how to thrive at work and wrote a book on it. So actually I use, so I use times like that of adversity and I go, personally, what can I learn? And then how can I share that with others? Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. What about future aspirations, Ben? Where to from here? Whether it's a year out, five years out, 10 years out, what are the, some of the things that you go, they're still on my bucket list, I really want to do that? Or, you know, it might be to write another 11 books. Like, tell us about some of your future aspirations in terms of what you want to do. I, it's a great question. It's I've had a very interesting relationship with future and destinations and goals. So I'm... You know, I am very goal orientated. I'm very ambitious and big picture thinking. However, that that used to actually the the biggest challenge I had with that in the past was it would completely take away from my ability to make the most of today and just and just be present and enjoy today. And I could always tell you what an amazing, glorious future I was going to have in five, ten, fifteen years. But today, you know, I'm miserable today. I'm exhausted today. I'm not the type of person I want to be. So actually, one of my biggest, biggest learnings and challenges has been how do I genuinely just be present today and 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 not 
live this glorious future in the future, but live it today. And so, yeah, I can tell you how I would love to continue to, you know, be, yeah, write books and contribute to big organizations and travel the world and all this great stuff, which I do. So I, I genuinely, I don't see that really changing. I just see that evolving. And I think at the heart of all of that is, is relationship. So as an example, you know, yeah, like a year ago, get called up by entrepreneurs organization, come to Bali and talk about purpose. I mean, I, I couldn't make that up. You know, what a wonderful invitation. And then I get to meet you and we follow up, et cetera. So, you know, that's all great. I, I really think if you were to ask me honestly, like how, what do I want in my future? The main thing I want is how do I make the most of today? How, mm -hmm. how do I literally cherish today in a way to make the most of today? And I give you an example, literally today, I am taking, so my mentor and coach, Graham Alexander, who's now in his seventies and, and a really, really good close colleague and friend of ours, very sadly passed away of cancer in his early sixties, a few weeks ago. And we had a celebration of his life a couple of weeks ago. And I saw Graham there. I haven't seen Graham in years. And, and I thought, I'm not going to wait another decade until, you know, the next funeral, or maybe it will be his funeral. You know, I'm, I'm actually going to reach out and say, Graham, I want to take you out, you know, for, for lunch now, not whenever. So that's what I'm doing today. And that for me would be, and I, you know, I always think I'm too busy. I haven't got time. I had to reschedule it three times, but I were like, no, this is happening. I'm doing this. So I think it, it, it's really identifying what is most important now and absolutely committing to that. And, you know, cause I, I really think if I can maximize today and now that's going to be the biggest impact on tomorrow. Oh, that's beautiful, Ben. I love that. There's so many golden nuggets in there. And where is the best platform for people to find you? How, do, how What's the best place for people to connect with you? They go, I want to read some of his books. I want to know more of what he posts and to follow you and, yeah, to get more involved. Where no, wonderful. What's yeah, so look, the, the easiest is LinkedIn. So I, I do, I'm a huge uh, fan of LinkedIn. I, I find it actually a very meaningful platform to connect so please uh reach out there you know ben renshaw and then um i'm actually finally rebuilding the website so benrenshaw.com so um you're welcome to go there but that that will really get activated in the autumn with the publication of how to be a ceo beautiful ben i could speak to you for hours but really appreciate you being on and um, yeah, really look forward to getting this podcast out. Wonderful. Thank you, Shivani. You're doing great work. I really appreciate it. I'm Shivani Gupta and you've been listening to the Grow Your Business podcast. I hope you got one idea that you can think about or perhaps even implement straight away in your business. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn under Ask Shivani. Remember, I call it Ask Shivani, so please send me your questions that I can address in this podcast for you. And I would also so appreciate if you went to the Apple Podcast to rate and review this podcast. 